hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. Today's episode is going to be nothing short of amazing. I have such an exciting guest coming on later and also just some weekly catch-up chats that I really wanted to talk to you guys about. But anyways, in case you didn't know, my name is Noam Raider. I'm your host, but you probably already knew that and you probably found me from my Instagram, but if you didn't, it's at Wellness. But anyways, let's get into the episode. So today I am exhausted (laughs) Uh, because this morning at 6.30 a.m. I landed from my red-eye flight back from Los Angeles, California, where I spent the last week or so. Um, And the really cool part of all that is that I actually went out to LA for a big part of the reason I went out is I really wanted to meet just some friends that I'd met through Instagram, um, meet them in real life. And it was so cool. Like what a crazy world we live in that I met people on the internet. And then I flew across the continent and stayed with them for a week. And it was like, we've known each other forever. It, it was so cool. Such a crazy world. And I guess that's what I want to talk to you guys about. I mean, like we talk so much about the negatives of social media and like, trust me, girl, there are, there are a lot of negatives, but it's also so cool. Like the fact that you can connect with people, especially people with similar interests and perhaps more niche interests, people that you wouldn't have connected with otherwise and form really strong, true human connections and then be able to fly to a different city and just know someone there or fly a different city and know where somewhere to stay. And it's just so cool. I'm so, so grateful. It was such an amazing trip. California is so beautiful. And I'm just also super grateful for all the opportunities that I have Um, When I was there as well, I got to check out some cool events and um, with brands and such. It was just awesome. Um, But yeah, this is my little thank you to anyone who's been supporting me on Instagram, TikTok, podcast, whatever it may be. This has all changed my life. Social media can be so, so amazing for so many reasons. And it was a good reminder to push through the tougher days on these apps. But anyways, I loved Los Angeles. I loved the beach. Okay, I all kept saying my favorite part and all my friends made fun of me was just like all the trees, like, or not just the trees, but like all the botany, like the trees and the cyclones and the cacti, like such a diverse ecosystem there with some like super deserty plants like cactuses, but also some more like evergreen sort of plants. Look, I don't know the terminology, so like don't come for me if you were a plant specialist, but I literally have so many photos of myself just like in the middle of a sidewalk next to a huge cactus that I made my friends take of me because I was just so excited. And yeah, so, so beautiful. But another thing I wanted to chat with you guys about was I took a plane for the first time by myself at the ripe age of 23. And that may be really old. Some people are really young to others. I mean, like I know I'll talk to like my parents, um, but also some other people. And they'll say they didn't travel until they were in their 20s. And I'm so grateful to have traveled with either with family or with friends at a younger age. But At 23, I took my first flight completely by myself, and I've never really been someone to get anxious on flights. I kind of like them. I'm not really scared of heights, and um, I I enjoyed kind of like the just sitting around for a few hours sort of thing, if maybe that's weird, but on my flight on the way to Los Angeles, I didn't have Wi-Fi on the flight because I don't know why they didn't have it on the flight, and I was by myself, and halfway through I just got this like pang of anxiety and felt super like disconnected from the real world because I didn't know anyone around me I couldn't get down if I wanted to I couldn't reach anyone if I wanted to because I didn't have wi-fi and I got a little nervous and then started like 
kind of spiraling with that, being like, what am I doing, girl? Like, you were flying across the continent to meet people you've never met before and stay at their house. Like, are you good? Um, I got a little nervous, but you know what? I got there and quickly that dissipated. But I just wanted to share as well that sometimes when we take these big steps and we try to um, move forward in life and evolve, sometimes there's challenges along the way. Sometimes we we will worry. We will increase our anxiety. It'll feel scary. Um, but if you push through it, there's always really great growth and really great things on the other side. And that's my little my little lesson for for you all. But anyways, let's get into our energy givers. So. Kind of on the same note, something that me and my friends spoke about a lot when we were hanging out in LA was um, this type A versus type B personality complex. And if you guys don't know what that means, basically in a nutshell, someone who has a more type A personality is more organized, um, more like stringent, likes routines, likes lists, um, less spontaneous kind of, um, yeah, what I explained. Type B is someone who is a little more disorganized, kind of free-spirited, go-with-the-flow sort of person. Um, And people are usually like one or the other or somewhere in between. But growing up, I feel like I was super type B. I was super disorganized as a kid. But then once I kind of hit high school and started taking school more seriously, and especially when I was in my undergrad taking school seriously, I became super type A, Um, really needed everything to be organized my way or no way lists, schedules, routines, like all of that was my was my stuff. Um, and that's not a bad thing per se, but I feel like over the past year or so, and as I'm getting older, I'm definitely kind of shifting to be more type B. Um, honestly, it was just exhausting being type A, like also getting stressed and anxious every time things didn't go to plan was draining and also realizing that like sometimes the most fun times are when you break out of your routine. Um, when you don't make your bed for a morning and spend that time doing something else or when you stay out a little too late and all things I've kind of spoken about on the podcast before, but I felt myself shifting to be more type B, wanting to be more spontaneous, wanting to fly to LA to visit people I've never met, wanting to take spontaneous trips, do spontaneous things while I was there. Um, and I just, my goal is to like become more type B. And this is no shade to anyone who's type A. I will definitely always have type A qualities. I think it's also, I'm really grateful for them because I think it's part of what's allowed me to have a lot of the success that I have, whether it's in school or otherwise, by being dedicated and um, good with deadlines, time management, so on. But honestly, life is so short and being type A and success in the societal sense is a great thing. But like, Honestly, I think what I'm realizing is what's more important than anything else is just enjoying each and every day as it is, not waiting for tomorrow, not doing things just for potential future happiness, but just going with the flow and saying yes to new opportunities more. So yeah, my goal is to become more and more type B with time. And I think it's kind of ironic because me trying to intentionally shift my personality is actually quite type A of me. But anyways, this is all getting confusing, but you guys know what I mean. And let me know what you guys think about that. Like, are you more type A? Are you more type B? Where do you fall? And like, do you like where you fall? Or do you want to change it? I feel like it's a really cool conversation. We can talk more about that one day. But another energy giver, like literal energy giver was when I was in California, I really tried to be intentional, especially when I was out in nature. So by the ocean, in the sand, when I was on a hike on the mountains, sitting on the grass in a park, um, being really intentional with being mindful of what's around me and what I like to call grounding and whatever I've also heard other people call grounding. But literally when you're in nature, 
sitting on the ground, taking your shoes off, your socks off even, and like putting your feet onto the ground um, and literally grounding um, in order to kind of be connected with your surroundings and appreciate nature. And I found that it literally felt to like give me energy, which I think is super cool. Um, so I definitely recommend if you find yourself in nature in the next few days or whenever um, to try that and just spend some time there. I guess it's kind of like in a sense meditating, but yeah, take your shoes off. I don't know. I really liked it. Uh, the last energy giver, a little less serious, is thrift shopping. I don't know. I went the other day, my last day in LA, and it was so much more fun than any of the other shopping I did when I was there. Just like finding a unique find is so gratifying, and it's so nice to know that it's just yours, but also so cool to know that it was once someone else's, and it has a story tied to it. Also feels good on the economic and the environmental footprints, which is always a plus. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I want to go thrift shopping more, especially with fall. I don't love fall. I mean, I don't mind fall. I just love summer, but I'm trying to get myself excited for fall by doing a little light fall shopping to get me in the mood because fall fashion is definitely a plus. So for energy takers, I feel like for this one, again, something that I feel like was a common topic of conversation while I was in LA was just comparison. Um, and just that like at in your 20s, whether you're in your young 20s, late 20s, so many people are doing so many different things and are at such different stages of their lives. Like we all know the classic thing, like it's the point of your life where half your friends are getting engaged, the other half are still going out five days a week and everything in between. Um, but just not comparing yourself to anyone else's journey and doing what feels right for you, especially if it is going against the grain, if it is doing a non-traditional career path, taking a non-traditional approach to your career path. Um, don't try to change kind of what feels right and what feels intuitive just to fit in with what you think you should be doing at your age. There is no timeline. Life has no timeline. I mean, if it did, then we would all die at the exact same age, right? Like maybe that's more to think about, but like if there were certain things we should hit at each year of life, how come people have different lifespans, right? Like, I don't know. You guys know what I'm saying. I don't really have this thought fully fleshed out, but just be good at where you're at and try to not doubt yourself as much as you can. I know it's easier said than done, but I feel like it's advice I need myself at the moment. Okay, this again, a little less serious of an energy taker, but bad lighting when taking photos. So my first day when I got to LA, I went to the beach with my friend Carla and we were taking photos and it was like direct sun and it was just like not doing good things for my face, for my body. I looked at the photos, felt pretty, pretty shitty about myself, honestly, super insecure. It's like, wow, um, I didn't even realize I looked like that. I thought I looked so much better in this bikini before I saw the photos. And all thoughts I'm not super proud of, but I think are pretty normal for a lot of us, unfortunately. But whatever, I try to brush it off. I mean, dealing with those negative thoughts and bad body image for years now, I have pretty good coping mechanisms. But the next day I went to the beach again, new bikini, but also the lighting was better. It was like a little more overcast or I don't know what it was, but literally from day one to day two, the photos are at least the way I, when I looked at the photos, I mean, look, like if you look at both photos, maybe you'll be like, girl, you look exactly the same. But I felt like I looked like a completely different person. It was so confident with the photos the next day. Um, not even that I felt like my body looked like a quote unquote, like the perfect way, but just like felt like I just like loved it and was so confident in my skin. Um, and it's just a reminder, like I obviously did not gain or lose 50 pounds overnight. Like that's physiologically impossible right? Like there's so many other factors into what you look like a certain day. 
especially what photos look like, so the lighting, what you ate earlier, like how much water you're like, you know what I mean? So just like, don't get you down on yourself, really remind yourself of that. And also remind yourself that if you see someone's photos on social media, and they look really great, and you go take photos, and they don't, it's not as simple as they look better than you. You know what I mean? Even though we're all beautiful, and you guys, you guys get the gist. Anyways, quote of the week. Um, I posted this on my Instagram story actually earlier today. And I also asked you guys for your favorite quotes to kind of inspire me for future podcast episodes. But this one, I don't even know where I read it. And I don't even know if it's kind of a quote, but it just kept popping into my mind while I was on my trip. Um, just, I don't need, it wasn't even like an active thought. Like it was just like passively there. But the quote is, actually, life is beautiful and I have time. Super simple, nothing too profound, but I feel like it's what we, it's it's the simple things that we forget. Like life is so beautiful, especially, I know, remember that when I'm in nature and it's why I really want to spend more time in nature and be more intentional with that. But life is beautiful. The fact that we're alive is like the coolest statistically impossible situation, right? Like you think about how many different genes from your parents had to mix to create exactly you um, and your parents having to meet, your grandparents having to meet, like all of that, like you are so meant to be here. Life can be so beautiful. Human connection is so beautiful. The earth is so beautiful. There's so much around us that we can see beauty in if we try to. Obviously, it's not always that simple. I know life can get tough, but yeah, that that was just what's on my mind. And the second part of it is it's actually life is beautiful and I have time. And the I have time part, I think, goes to my thing of comparison and just remembering that exactly just enjoy the moment, enjoy the beauty that is life around you. And if you are making choices every day that align with your values, align with yourself, that are making you happy and fulfilled, you will get to where you need to be. Um, and you have time to figure it out. You are not living on anyone else's deadlines or timelines. And you just have to, you just got to live, guys. You just got to be more type B, enjoy the moment, be free-spirited. It's all connected. Today's, today's topic's all connected. Anyways, you know what? I'm going to stop rambling because so, so excited for today's episode. Today's episode is with a good friend that I also met on Instagram, Alexandra Chavez, and she is a 20-year-old actress and dancer most known for her role in the popular TV series, The Next Step. You guys may be familiar with her. I know I was, and honestly, was like a little starstruck when she first followed me on Instagram, and then we started chatting. Um, And today we discuss how she's also just so much more than just that, so much more than just a star on a TV series, and how we can all be multi-passionate throughout our careers. She's also very involved in many charitable organizations such as Plan International Canada, Bell Let's Talk, advocating for women's rights, mental health, and so, so much more, which is why I thought she was so inspiring. And I'm just so excited to chat with all of you about her experience growing up in the spotlight and how it continues to guide all her decisions today. But yeah, let's get right into it. All right, guys, now let's welcome Alexandra. I am so excited that you're here. Ah, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. I'm so excited. And it's so nice to kind of chat in person and not on DMs for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like I've been following you for a while and I so admire your messaging and you're such a, a trailblazer in your field. So I'm I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and also like learning from you too, because I've already learned so much from your your posts on social media. So it's gonna be fun. You are so kind. <laughs> My heart is like fluttering all right well on that note I have to say I'm so inspired by you as well not many people can say that by 20 years old they have starred on a hit tv show how did you find yourself in this position in the acting and dance world and 
Is this something you kind of always thought you'd be into or did you just kind of find yourself there one day? Yeah, well, when I look back on my childhood, my parents put me in everything like soccer, hockey, (laughs) gymnastics and dance. And dance is really what stuck. Like at one point it was hockey or dance. And I'm so glad I chose dance because that really uh, led me to find this field of I love performing and telling a story, being on stage. So dance really opened that world for me. Um, and actually, I speak about this on my Instagram sometimes. At age 12, I was diagnosed with a cardiac arrhythmia. And I had to dance. I had to not have dance in my life for like eight months, maybe. And it was during that time where I was craving some sort of uh, performance, like creative outlet, something like that. And dance couldn't be it at that point. So I turned to acting. And it was during that time that I really explored storytelling in a different way and fell in love with acting. And then once I was able and cleared to dance again, I tried to find ways to combine my acting and dancing passion. So that's when I found audition for The Next Step, which is a Canadian scripted drama TV show with dancing and acting. And it's just it's been my life for the past six years and I've had so much fun doing it. Uh, But it was really like through that entire journey of timing and finding really what speaks to me. And when I look back on my childhood too, there are so many instances where I just, I love dancing to like the high school musical soundtrack and uh, like doing little performances for my family. So I knew that this was always uh, like meant to be for me. And now as I look back, it's kind of confirmed. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, hockey and dance are quite different, but I guess you made the right choice. (laughs) Nothing against hockey guys, nothing against hockey. I know nothing about hockey though. (laughs) Well, yeah, you said so it's been six years since you started the show. So you were like 14 at the time. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, it feels like just yesterday. But since then, I've learned so much. And I'm so grateful for that experience to be in that environment. Like that was the first time that I was on a big set like that and working with adults in that way and having to collaborate, be creative, work on my feet and be very spontaneous. And it was such a great learning experience. And to this day, like there's so much that I recall that I've learned from that show and that I take in any other experience that I have. Mm-hmm. I feel like whenever I hear people talking about growing up kind of in the acting world, the dance world and all of that, there's always some pros and cons and maybe yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd love to hear kind of what were your favorite parts of growing up, I guess in the spotlight and your least favorite parts yeah. as well. Yeah, this is a really good question because, oh, I could go on and on about all my favorite things. Like like I said, being in an environment where you're collaborating and being creative and you're kind of experimenting too. Like I was still in the process of really learning the the basics of acting. And so that was a great experience for me to try things out and get feedback and really to learn and grow as an artist and as a person in a more like high stakes environment. And of course the people too, like the cast and crew are my best friends to this day. And being able to experience all the newness together was really special and we bonded and I, I'm so close to them to this day. Um, in terms of the least favorite, this is a hard one, but I have to say the, the tutoring experience, like as someone who I highly value education and I just had graduated from grade eight going into high school. And just a few weeks before grade nine, I heard that I booked the show and I'd have to move to Toronto. So I had to abandon like the high school, uh, experience that I was going to have and move to online school and totally new experience. A lot of, uh, newness and having to navigate some obstacles and really on sets you only need two hours of tutoring a day so and that can be kind of broken into different chunks throughout the day and I'm someone like when I'm doing school I want to have my full 
uh, like attention and really be in my work. But if you just come from set, you still have that experience in your head, all the lines. And I was overthinking what I had just done and what I have to do next. And so it was quite difficult to really sit and actually do the work or I guess I could do the work, but I wasn't fully there in my mind. I wasn't fully present. And that's something that I, I kind of missed out on while I was filming because um, you would get home at like 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then you would still have hours of school to do. So it was, there was not a lot of rest time. And I really, I wanted to put my best efforts into school. So uh, there was very little time for rest and recovery, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like in the end, I still managed to successfully graduate and pursue my acting career. So in the end, it was all worth it. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, you really did find a way to balance it. And I'm sure that does not sound easy. I am totally the same. I got to be like 100% there and not there at all. So I'm always wildly impressed. (laughs) Thanks. Really, it's kind of your whole high school plus experience growing up this way. And I think for anyone who went to a traditional high school like myself, we know how formative and both positive and negative that environment can be. But it's kind Mm -hmm. of that classic teenage, teenage years and maybe also kind of the teenager you're acting to be like. So do you think that these sort of things, I guess, influence your lifestyle and and who you are today and either, I guess, positively or negatively? Yeah, I I think that's a good point because so I went back for two semesters in high school, like throughout, I think one in grade nine, one in grade 10. And those experiences, those like just normal um, like experiences that we all go through, I sort of missed out on. So it was really important for me to have some uh, real like in-person high school experiences so that I could then take that into my auditions and acting and especially I'm portraying a high school kid so I need to have those experiences and uh, know how this person relates to others so that was really important for me and I think in general my life on set during that time really gave me the confidence to work and collaborate with adults and I was so fortunate like the entire crew and cast took me seriously and like valued my input insights and and my voice and they listened and that was something that I look back on I'm so grateful for and also it has given me the confidence to speak up on social media about the topics that I'm passionate about and then also in my advocacy work being able to um, be confident and also know that like others are taking me seriously that was something that I really learned throughout my entire uh, experience on set because I was 14 at the time and it was really um, inspiring to work with with adults in that in that atmosphere. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I always say, like, I think I bring this up maybe like every other day in a conversation, but I think (laughs) self-confidence is probably one of the most important traits that we can instill in children. And I think lack of self-confidence is just kind of the underrooting to so many other negative effects later down in life. And I think those formative experiences, whether as a young child or as a teenager and someone just telling you like, yeah, you're, that's a great idea. I really like listening mm-hmm. to your input. Like, yeah, you're a child, but you have something to say. I think that really shapes people into who they are and gives them yes. the self-confidence to try new things, to believe in what they think. And I think that's so great that you're able to kind of get that from a new environment as well, even when oh, your yeah. lifestyle was so different. Yeah, that's so important. And, you know, looking into the work that I do on social media and trying to engage and connect with my younger followers, that's a big part of it. Like, I was so fortunate in having that experience and having that confidence, I was able to reach out to organizations that I wanted to collaborate with and have that confidence and um, like value my own ideas and being able to put that forward. So I think it's a really useful skill and something that has, 
has made me the person I am today. So I agree. (laughs) What you mentioned earlier about, you said you had quite minimal breaks and just a busy lifestyle overall. And also, like you said, you're a huge advocate for mental health on social media and through your different public engagements. Is this something that you kind of found yourself personally struggling with ways to maintain positive mental health and how did you overcome that? And is something that you continue to work towards? Oh yeah. This is something that I think about all the time because when I think of age like 13 to 16 year old Alex, uh, over like burnt down in some ways, overthinker, perfectionist, things. I had these mindsets that were just sabotaging me and I really didn't value recovery and rest. It was just kind of go, go, go. And that ultimately led to me like not being able to achieve my full potential because I wasn't getting enough sleep. Like the basic things, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't feeling as um, motivated, inspired by what I was doing as a result. And I, I was just feeling burnt out. And I remember probably around 15, 16, I was, there was a real disconnect between me and dance. And dance is something I've grown up my entire life loving. And that was kind of the, the last year, like that was the sign that, okay, something's up. Like if I don't, if I don't love this and I need to check in with myself and where am I going wrong? And I think a big part of it was I didn't even have a vocabulary around like mental health. I didn't even know what that was and how it related to me. Um, and actually a therapist I work with recently, she termed, um, she used the term mental fitness. And when I think of it like that, it's like, I put so much effort and I prioritize my physical fitness. So why can't I do the same for my mental fitness? Um, because at that time when I was more like burnt out and I was just way overworked, not sleeping enough, I did not have any tools to use in my day to help with my mental well-being and self-confidence as well. Like there are so many things that were just lacking because I didn't have that awareness. So that, when I look back on all those experiences, I realized, wow, like I, I want those that are in either like the dance industry or just in ge- general, that age group to know that there are tools available for them and that they don't have to suffer or feel overworked or like succumb to the hustle culture or any of that stuff. So I try and use that that concept and think about my younger self and what I would want my younger self to see on social media that would maybe help her and help her reach her full potential I think about that a lot and then also my perfectionism that's something that I'm still working on I think it's going to be like it's it's a journey it's it's always going to to be there and there's going to be ups and downs but in my performance in my body in my academics (laughs) perfectionism was just the ideal like that's what I strive for and uh, when I think about dance like if I didn't do my solo or performance perfectly then I was so upset with myself like my entire day was ruined if I didn't nail the pirouette combination or whatever and and like I look back and like how unfortunate is that that I wasn't allowing myself to feel joy and happiness after performing because I strive for this unrealistic perfectionism in everything that I did so uh, that also Uh, I keep that in mind when I'm posting on social media and in my work moving forward too. I aim for like unconditional self-acceptance and, and also like embracing failure because from there I'm able to learn. It's such a gift. Um, So those are like my main things that I've learned throughout the years and I hope to instill in my followers as well. Yeah. I'd love to unpack some of the things you just said. I totally agree. And I love your 
perspective on mental health and struggles with mental health as really these positive attributes within ourselves that are sometimes taken to the extreme. So I think perfectionism is the kind of thing, like they always say like, oh, in a job interview, you could say like perfectionism is your weakness. Uh And the truth is, is, is yeah, because it's like has this positive underpinning and it's when we just take it a step too far. Mm -hmm. But that's also a reminder of it's so easy to dial it back and it's not something that's out of your control in some situations. You just need to kind of figure out where your lines are and nothing is going to be good in an extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make. Like even in my academic work, for example, like setting a timer for myself because I can go on for hours trying to make it perfect 100%. But like that extra time is in for such a little percentage as an example, it wasn't worth it to me. So I needed to kind of uh, find like a happy medium and balance that more. And that's the same in my performance work too. Like it just it's impossible to be perfect on stage. Um, and even like in my acting work too, like there's no such thing as a perfect delivery of a line. That's just, that's not, that's not realistic to strive for. So uh, it's been really, it's been a journey for me to try and reframe that in my own work. Yeah, I definitely feel that as well. I mean, I think mm-hmm. when I kind of gave up, like you said, that extra 2%, the difference between like yeah. a 90 and a hundred, when I'm just like, you know what? that doesn't matter. I'd rather have my mental health. I'd rather have other hobbies. And also you're never going to be perfect because everyone's going to have a different definition of perfect. So I think with like the art, it is more subjective in the sense that you might see that more often, but even in academia, Mm -hmm. even in anything you do in life, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like what you do. Always someone who's going to think you can do it better. You're kind of setting yourself up for failure. If you're always striving to be the best, to be perfect, Mm -hmm. to be pristine. So I really, I really love your outlook on that. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like the, for so long, the mantra in my head was like, not good enough, not good enough. And that was so toxic for me. And I just, it really stole a lot of moments that could have been really helpful for me, whether it's like reframing failure or um, just being in the moment and enjoying the performance on stage. So moving forward, like I really do prioritize just appreciating things, even if they're not perfect. And and embracing those failures and making it your own. Because even if I'm doing a, an audition, a self-tape, sometimes when you mess up, it kind of gets you on this new train of spontaneity and, and newness. And that's exciting too. I love that. I also love how you mentioned this idea of mental fitness and calling it that instead of other connotations that we hear, because it really reminds you that mental health doesn't have to be something you do when you're at your lowest point. Because mm-hmm when you're super sick and you have the flu or you just had whatever other illness and you're in bed, that's not when you're going to start working on your fitness. That's when you slowly Mm -hmm. start building up your minimal strength, sitting up, eating, doing all the little things, but it's when you're feeling good. That's when you go to the gym and have a great workout. That's when you start hitting your new PRs. So when Mm -hmm. we're feeling good mentally, that's when we need to be increasing our mental fitness. How do we become more resilient so that we can deal with the bad times and the bad times are going to happen. We're going to have failures, but if you want to see your failures at success, you've got to set that underpinning. Now you've got to have the conversations earlier to really provide yourself with that framework to deal with whatever comes your way. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And see, that's why, for example, following people like you has really helped reinforce that in myself. And I think it's so great to hear others and like people that I look up, look up to and people that are are um, that have a following on social media to spread that sort of messaging is so important. And I wish that I found that at a younger age. Yeah. Oh, right back at you. <laughs> and so I'd love to hear, let's say three things that you could tell someone if you want to start m- improving your mental fitness, your mental resilience, what are three things you'd recommend someone to start doing? 
Yeah. Oh, I, this is such a loaded question. Uh, I think one that I, we, we talk about a lot. I, I mentioned a lot on my page journaling, like honestly, uh, with someone who in the past has had that mentality of not good enough for me at the end of the day, writing down all the little things I did, it doesn't have to be big, but like the little wins. Cause then I can look back and be like, okay, even if the to-do list wasn't fully checked today, fully completed, I did this today and I'm happy. I'm content. I am okay to go to sleep and try again tomorrow. Like that has been really helpful. I have a lot of journal prompts written at the front of my journal. And so if I need something, I'll refer to that. Uh, and that's just been really nice just to gain appreciation too, for the little things. Uh, so definitely recommend that. And that's also something that like a tool I use when things are hard, but should be practiced just as much when things are great. And so doing it more consistently has been so great for my mental fitness. Um, also something more recently is like in this busy life that we live a hustle culture, which I'm really trying to avoid, but, um, sometimes redefining things that we do in our day that can be self-care self-love practices like my fitness workout whatever instead of making that something that just has to be checked off like that's a form of self-care my dance classes like sometimes if there's no room in the day to actually add something um it's just redefining like reframing what that is in your day that can be a form of self-care um so that has been big for me. Like I'm trying to think dance class is a big one. Even like the drive to work, for example, playing my favorite tunes, like, hey, that's a form of self-care. That's been really great for me. So then, you know, even if I didn't have time to plan something specific, being able to look back on my day, again, journal about it and say like, hey, there was something there that I did just for me. Uh, that has been really important. And then also, again, a more recent thing is tuning into that like inner child and nurturing that like I have always loved dancing, performing, as I said, like ever since I was a little kid listening to music and dancing in my bedroom. So finding little tiny moments, like it can be a three minute song, but that brings me joy in my day. And so finding little ways to kind of <laughs> nurture the inner child and whatever brought you joy as a kid uh, could do the same for you now. So whatever it is for you, it's kind of fun to experiment with and add extra little bit of joy and happiness in your day. <laughs> I love that advice about finding the small pockets in your day. I think that's something I guess I've been doing without really actively thinking about it. But like, I love listening to podcasts on my way to work, like that motivational Brene Brown type of thing. And I'm just like, you know what, if I have nothing else to do today, or sorry, if I have no other positive wellness sort of um, activities to do that day, like at least I did that. And you don't even realize the difference that that makes. And also just reframing the things you have to do. So I think mm -hmm. having a positive attitude towards your obligations and all of that really helps you see just the gratitude in them. And that really ties back to journaling, which is also something I love. Um, yes. I think it's just so quick and makes such a big difference. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And also, it's so true, like the, the effect that language can have, like, instead of saying I have to, I get to like those little uh, changes in uh, how I speak about like my day or about myself those little tweaks can make a huge difference too so I've been really trying to catch myself I'm like oh I have to do something no I get to do it and uh, that can really make a world of a difference in my day I am the biggest proponent of I think language makes the <laughs> biggest difference we don't even yeah. realize how the way we speak about things not only influences our perception of them but also how other people around us perceive us and perceive the yes. things that we're doing and just changing your mentality, like you said, about I get to, but also like looking at, let's say, a failure saying, isn't it so great that I get to learn from this experience? 
how did this failure lead me on the right step to a new path that I didn't even know I wanted? And sometimes it's hard to say things to yourself when you're upset and it's not about toxic positivity. When things mm-hmm. suck, they suck and you got to sit in that and you got to feel your emotions. Yes. But I think we all let the little things get to us too much. Like the other day I left work and I got to my car and the battery was dead. And I was like, this mm. sucks. I just worked mm-hmm. 10 hours. I just want to go home and I wanted to get my workout in and then just like do an hour of work and go to bed. And now yeah. I have to wait an hour and a half for the guy to come. But oh. I realized I'm just making like, this is the situation. I can't change it at this point. What am I going to do about it? You know, I'm going to sit here and cry mm-hmm. about it. That's not going to change anything. And no. I remember where I heard this, it was some podcast or something, but kind of on the lines of what you said, whenever you have those delays, those breaks in your day, the things that go off path, let's say you're waiting at the post office for an extra 30 minutes because the line's long. We get so frustrated. We're like, I'm wasting time. But just enjoy that time. Like, think about something. Put in a podcast. So I just sat on the curb and listened to a podcast for an hour and totally changed my perspective of the situation of something that's not really a big problem. If I'm not going to remember it in five days, my mantra is always don't give it more than five minutes. Uh Uh-huh. I love that. Everything you said, that really speaks to me. Because, yeah, you're right. Those things, like, we can't control. After they happen, like, okay, we just have to accept what we can't control. What can I control? How can I make the most of this? Um, And also what you said earlier, like, toxic positivity. That's something that um, I, I really am working on making sure that my followers, too, don't think that I'm only speaking about the positive and I'm still working on my finding my voice in this area but uh like recognizing that yeah things aren't gonna be great all the time um so just sitting and being able to control what you can and what you can't let go of it um really important love everything you said that was great it is definitely a fine line and I think you mentioned this earlier as well just when you have presence on social media, whether you have a thousand followers, 20,000, a hundred thousand, a million, you have people who you can reach out to. And I love that you're taking these active steps to think of how is the messaging I'm putting out there going to yeah. be not only, you can think it's positive, also how is it going to be perceived? How am I going to put mm-hmm. this out there and put out positivity without also making someone else feel poorly in retrospect? And I think it's such a fine balance that I still learn to navigate with my platform, even though it's not as big. But I think it's something that we all need to be um, thinking about and it can be challenging. But I think Mm -hmm. it's so great whenever I go to your Instagram page, you're always working with a new charity promoting some new social justice issue. And I think it's amazing that when you know your show and your audience might be a bit younger than yourself and Mm -hmm. how you can really make that change. I mean, remember a few months ago, I was watching this interview of this TikToker. I don't remember who it was, but one of the super, some of the super famous guys, one of the guys. And they were like, why didn't you speak about the U.S. election or something? And he was like, because I'm not a politician. Like, I didn't sign up for this to become a politician. Mm. And I thought about that because I think my initial reaction is if someone has a platform, they have to use it positively. But you also can't expect people to speak of things they don't care about. And I think Mm. when you're genuine, it goes so much further. So I love seeing people like yourself really using their platform for things they care about and not just doing mm-hmm. this optical allyship but showing children and youth and also people your age and older as well how they can really start making a difference in the world when did oh, you decide you. to kind of go down this path and and really use your platform in this way yeah oh that's a really great question because again I look back on my younger self like in I think in grade four, I joined my elementary school social justice club. And from there, I really, I learned so much about things I had previously been unaware of completely. I attended We Day a lot. I was really involved in my school community and 
that was where my passion really grew. And so then once I transitioned to online school, I lost that sense of community and engagement with social justice issues. So I tried to brainstorm, like, how can I continue to actively pursue this and find some sort of community? Because I really enjoyed that in elementary school. Um, So then I turned to Plan Canada, which is the organization that I work with a lot. It's a nonprofit, and they focus on empowering girls, uh, like, in Canada, but then also um, funding and supporting women's and girls' rights in developing countries. So I found them, I contacted them and I was like, hey, I would really love to work with you because their values really mirror my own and they have a lot of youth outreach programs, which is really important to me. And I, I thought would resonate with my followers as well. So I started work with, working with them maybe in 2016, 2017. And since then, the partnership has really grown and developed and I work with them for like youth outreach programs, as well as promoting their campaigns on my social media accounts. And also just like chatting with them and brainstorming. I have um, this group that meets regularly called the Speakers Bureau, and we discuss important issues relating to gender women's rights and then also other social justice topics. And it's just been it's been so empowering for me to speak with such uh, incredible like like minded youth. And it motivates me every day to to think globally and and be a global citizen and also share that insight with my followers because it's something I've been passionate about for so long. Um, and it's really rewarding and exciting to see youth that are engaging with that on my social media and are empowered to make a difference in their communities and also uh, globally. I love how you put it as it's what you kind of wanted to see, I guess, when you were that age, the things yeah. that you were interested in. And then sometimes we kind of lose touch with them on the way, but it's, it's really thinking to yourself, how to be the role model that you would have wanted to see. And I think that's something I use to navigate my own decisions as well in life. Whenever I post something, I have always said kind of like my overarching life goal is just to like be a role model to someone, to Mm -hmm. give someone someone to look up to and inspire them to pursue something they thought they couldn't, to start taking those steps to improving their mental health, their mental well-being. And I constantly bring myself back to that, to that point of, what would I have needed to see when I was 15? Would I have needed to see someone talking openly about body image? Would I have needed someone Mm -hmm. to remind me to think about being a global citizen and the things going on beyond our borders? Would I have needed someone to inspire me to say, yeah, everyone might tell you can't do this, but someone else did it and they maintain their mental health in the process. They maintain their friendships in the process. You can do it too. So I think that's so great how you kind of have that same mentality and makes me wonder Mm -hmm. if maybe that's kind of what all the people we see on social media, what, maybe is the key to kind of leading uh, a positive platform is, is really just thinking, what would you have needed in someone else's position? Yes. Oh, I love that. And no, I have my whole like notion spreadsheet for social media ideas. And I have a photo of myself, I must have been like 12 or something that I pasted there. And it says like, what would this girl need? And so it's a constant reminder of like, yeah, what would I need? And And also like, those are, that's the age that I'm speaking to. So I always keep that in mind when I'm posting. And also, of course, keeping in mind what I value right now. And like, as I learn and grow and learn about the sort of mindsets I had when I was younger or things that uh, kind of limited my potential, I, I look back and I see how I can kind of share that insight with my younger audience. Um, because really, one of my goals, my intentions with my work is helping girls and women realize their full potential. And so so that's a big part of it. Yeah, and you're right about like being a role model. I'm, I was really fortunate to have such great role models at my dance studio or even on set of The Next Step. 
and to see on social media too. So those really, uh, they inspire me to continue to pursue this and to engage with the youth that follow me. That's amazing. You clearly seem to be extremely passionate about these topics. And again, I think when someone is genuinely excited about something, it really shows and it really makes all the difference. Mm, Thank you. And this just makes me want to ask, so if it weren't for acting and dance, and not to say that these things can go hand in hand with social advocacy, but mm. where do you think you would have taken taken your career? I mean, you're such a positive voice for all of this oh. social justice issues. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think I, I will continue to pursue like advocacy and there's so much I want to explore. But when you ask the question, like, I think of my young self, like 12, 13 years old. Um, and at the time, like, I would have told you, I see myself going to school right away, going to med school. Like I was very, um, very sure that that would be my path. Um, because as I mentioned earlier, like I had a cardiac arrhythmia, I have grown out of it since, but um, that really motivated me to pursue a career in medicine uh, and like specifically cardiology that was really interesting. And so that's kind of where my path was going until I realized that my work on the next step was just like a stepping stone. And I, I saw you can actually have a career in acting and dancing and how much I loved it and it fuels me. And so that's where I see my career going right now in the short term. But in the future, I would I would love to pursue that path and um, and explore health and, and sciences and medicine. Uh, but then also at the same time, I think of like gender studies in school. I'm planning to attend U of T in the fall. And so I want to study like gender studies, uh, international development. I'm also interested a little bit in like poli sci and all that stuff. I actually, I'm going for life sciences, but I'm, I'm hoping to explore a lot of different things just as like a, something to right now continue learning and I will continue to pursue my career. But uh, there are so many things I'm interested in. And so I'm not really sure if I can pinpoint like where I would see myself mm-hmm. going in, in one path, but yeah, I, you know, and it's also been so great being able to chat with people that work with Plan International Canada, which is the nonprofit that I work with. They uh, come from so many diverse fields and they have, there, there's so many interesting careers within that organization. So, oh, so inspiring. And just meeting people online too uh, has been such a great way to kind of open, open my horizon, see all the different opportunities. And also that like, I can have multiple careers in my life. So I, I want to keep the doors open and continue to explore like what resonates with me at this time. And right now that's, that's acting and dancing, but it's a loaded love- question. I have to say, <laughs> I think that's so cool. I didn't know you were planning to go to U of T in the fall. I'm sure that'll be a handful, but super exciting. And I think it's a great reminder of you can have multiple interests and they can be completely divergent. I mean, I think, in fields like medicine and academia in general, people are like, you need to, you need to do just this and that's it. And maybe you can have some peripheral interests, but there's no way you could be equally passionate about anything else. And I love this quote, that's your life can be a series of small novels rather than just one big book or one big Mm. textbook or however you want to put it. But this idea of you can have different stories and they can be happening at the same time. They can happen chronologically and we don't need to make all our decisions right now. We just need Mm -hmm. to explore and follow 
what you're genuinely passionate about. Don't say no to yourself just because it doesn't fit into your image of what being an actress is like. You don't say no because it doesn't fit into your image of what being someone interested in academia is like. Just yeah. make your decisions based off what feels right. And I think that's, that's really great how you have such an open mind and I'm sure you're going to find a way to blend it all in a way that no Aww. one expects. <laughs> Thank you. You know, like just hearing you say that, it makes me think of that earlier question about um, how has your experience like on set change your like what have you learned from it and I think a big one is uh, being like less rigid because my past self was like no I have to do this and I have to do this and and it was so like it has to be this or else like I there was it was just black and white right no like in the middle thinking and so now I see so many more possibilities and flexibility and being able to cater like my life and my and my choices based on what I want and what my heart tells me it, like what's fueling me right now and so that has been such a, a big learning experience, not only for me, but also like for my parents who in the past thought that like, okay, this is kind of how it goes. But even for them too, realizing that there are opportunities, you don't have to stick to to what like society says or what you think you should do. Um, that has been really big for me and has helped me realize that I can still pursue all these other passions at some point in my life. It doesn't have to be right now. I know that like in the future, those opportunities can be there and will present themselves. Of course, I think our perception of what a quote unquote normal life may be. So yeah, like you said, you go to high school, you go to university, you go maybe get another degree and then you get a job, you get married, you have kids. And you work your job until you retire and that's it. And yeah. that might be really great for some people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But we have this perception of that's how it needs to go. And you make one decision and that's what you have to stick to. And you've decided the next 50 years of your life without even realizing. And in a completely different situation than you, not in acting. But for me in medicine, I felt the same way. I was like, this is just what I did. And I was very rigid in my plans. And mm-hmm. yeah, that brings some success. But it also, I think, holds you back from so many new opportunities. I mean, I know when I decided I wanted to start social media and embrace this creative side of me that I feel like was stifled in the scientific and medical field. Obviously, there's people who disagree, but I just kept reminding myself there's, if everyone's doing it one way, that's great. Mm -hmm. But there's, if something feels right, it it usually is right. If something fuels you, it can't be that much of a bad thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And you're so right about like creativity. There's, there's sides of me that I love, like the analytical side, but there's also the creativity and like, I need to fully realize and explore that as well. Yeah. Oh, love it. Do you have any advice speaking of career goals for anyone either in high school, university, or just making some decisions of where they want to take their next steps, how they can blend all their numerous interests together? Mm -hmm. How do you think uh, people can start to motivate themselves and realize their full potential? Yeah. Oh, again, like such a loaded question. I'd say for me, the first thing is really embracing and nurturing your unique, authentic self like that, that will guide you like that will be a way to, to really realize what step to take next. And, and also in terms of a career in film or the arts, it will help you sustain a career like you don't try and be someone else It kind of goes back to what we were saying, like, don't just choose that path because that's what like other people say or that's what other people have done instead just like embrace who you are and especially in acting like you need to bring yourself to the script and your own unique like quirks and uh like way of speaking personality everything that has to shine through and that's where you'll really be like recognized and rewarded and celebrated because that's you and that's 
something that no one else can bring to the table. So I think that's something I've learned throughout the years. And when I stay most true to myself, that's when it's most rewarding and, and most exciting. And I also connect with the most interesting individuals and projects. So I really encourage that. And, um, and also, we've talked about this too, like embracing failure, because in the past, my rigid thinking is like, oh, there has to be a right way. And there's the wrong way. And th that's just not that's not true. There are going to be ways like maybe you'll learn you'll have a fail, you'll fail. Um, but all those experiences will help navigate your future obstacles and opportunities. So um, really like valuing, valuing the failure and being able to use it in the future. Um, something I talk about a lot when I'm asked by like my audience or uh, younger fans is taking advantage of online resources, whether it's like searching up questions you might have about career paths or whatever, but also in terms of a career in arts, film, dance. Um, there are so many resources online. Like I learned half of the moves that I do now in my performances through YouTube um, and also like recording myself when I was younger and looking through it, critiquing myself. So I think that can be such a valuable tool, especially in times when we may be stuck at home. Uh, it's really great and it's free. It's easy to access. So I really do encourage that. And then also not being afraid to reach out and connect with people maybe that you admire um, or for example, in my case, reaching out to Plan Canada about collaborating for future campaigns. Like that was an opportunity for me to just share my ideas and connect. And the worst that can happen is they reject me, they say no. And that is also something that kind of really in any field you have to, you have to be at peace with and, and acknowledge and accept. But in the end, if you stay true to yourself and if you keep like trying out things and reaching out in the end, it will be rewarding and it will work out. Um, but there are a lot of no's and I've had to just, you know, accept that and know that that is maybe not the most desirable part of the career, but it's something um, and it will just lead me to what is meant to be in the long term. <laughs> I guess just tying in your authentic self and the things that truly fuel you, the things that truly interest you and finding a way to let that be your navigator and not going about yeah. things in the necessarily traditional route, not necessarily waiting for someone to reach out to you. I mean, that's something I yeah. always talk about as like a, um, a stepping stone in my accomplishments is just like asking, like yes. nothing, nothing can go wrong. They can say no, but so many opportunities that I've had have been from just reaching out to someone cold emailing or emailing someone I know and saying, do you know anyone who can help me with this? I mean, a few months ago, I really wanted to start doing research on the effect of social media on um, young girls' mental health. And there wasn't any research being done at this in my institution. So I reached out to a psychiatrist I knew who was working mm -hmm. with me on a different project. And I was like, do you know anyone I can reach out to? And she's like, I'm not really close with this person, but like, I know this professor is doing research on body image, just like reach out to them. And I did, and I proposed my idea, and the next week I was doing it because you never know which things can lead to things. You don't know where your connections can take you, and that applies to everything. It applies to someone in acting, to someone oh, in yeah. teacher's college, to someone in, in just looking for a job. There doesn't have to be one way to do things, I think is really mm -hmm. the overall message from this conversation. And don't confine yourself into what other people say is the norm because everyone's doing the norm. You're putting yourself up yeah. against one in a thousand. Find mm -hmm. some positions where you're against one against one. You know what I mean? Like you are your yeah. only contender and mm -hmm. yeah, they might say no, but I promise you're more likely to get yeses when you're creating your own opportunities and you're carving your own path. Yes. Oh, I love everything you said. And again, that's something that like, if I could just take 
like 13 14 year old Alex and like let her hear this this conversation and what you had just said like that's that's so big and that uh like in my most recent years that has really helped me find my people and projects that I'm interested in and like find my voice too uh so such an important point yeah thank you I mean definitely for for 13 or 14 year old Noam as well I obviously knew of many successful women and people I looked up to, but I think even to this day, I struggle to find someone where I'm like, I want to be just like them. And I realize that that's okay too, to, to realize that you can take pieces and learn things from multiple different people and create your own role model. And if mm-hmm. you're 13 or 14 listening to this, I hope some of it spoke to you. And if you're 20, 25, 30 listening to this, I hope some of this spoke to you in terms of how can you change your daily actions to be the person that 13 year old you wanted to see. And maybe that means also like wearing cute outfits and all of that, but also oh, just yeah. like being someone that they would be proud of and that they would look at and be like, I can't believe they're doing it all and they're combining everything together. Mm-hmm. And I just really love that message. And I'd love Aww. to just leave our listeners on that note. It has been such a pleasure having you on today. We kind of mm-hmm. got off topic and I hope you guys love <laughs> the episode, but thank you again, Alexandra, for oh, that was all so of your fun. insight. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation and so many great points you brought up. So thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. I really, really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to follow us on social media at You Are Not Too Busy Podcast. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you have any thoughts or just want to spread some love. Subscribe, follow on Spotify. You guys know the whole gist. Thank you so, so much, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.